Hey guys, as you listen to today's interview, you're going to hear a guy who really was just looking for answers on his own spiritual journey. And as a result, God ended up capturing his heart and using him in really big ways to the point where he now is the president and leads this massive organization that is helping people worldwide. I say that because you may be trying to figure out, you know, what is your story and how is God going to use you? And so wherever you're at on your spiritual journey, just know God is not surprised and that he continues to have plans for your good and for his glory. He wants to use you in really big ways to see his kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I hope that you get that and maybe a little bit more clarity on your own journey as you listen to this interview. I love you guys. I hope that you enjoy this interview and that you have a great Christmas if you're listening to this when we release it. We're at the end of the year. Thanks for listening all of 2021. I'm excited about what God has for us next year. If you believe in this ministry, we're trying to raise $25,000 to help us move into this next year as a ministry. All of that is tax deductible if you want to make a tax deductible donation. Um, We're a little bit short of that right now. We've only raised about half of what we need. And so if you'd like to contribute and help us as a ministry, you can do that by going to dadtired.com forward slash give. Again, that's dadtired.com dot com forward slash give. I love you guys so much. I hope you have a great holidays and Christmas with your family and a new year. And I will look forward to seeing you in 2022. When I first saw your book, you had talked about finding adventure. And the reason that that captured my attention is because I, I actually said something in one of my books and that has kind of become a, a common phrase in the dad tired community, which is bored men are dangerous men. <laughs> I would say if, when men are bored, and I think there are a lot of men who are bored, they end up looking for adventure and either things that aren't really harmful or sinful, but they're just not kingdom stuff that God's calling them to, or they look for adventure in harmful and sinful things just to kind of get their adrenaline up a little bit. And the point of all of that is, I guess I'm encouraging guys. I wonder if if God has more for you and for that adventurous spirit that lives inside of you to be part of his kingdom work. And so when I saw your book, I thought, I'd love to hear a little bit more about what Mike thinks the adventure of God is and and how men can step into it. I'd love to talk about that. I've always had an adventure filled life, but you know, when I was younger, it was hard work, you know, just Mm. uh, doing manual labor for my dad's business. I went to college just... Well, what, what was it? What was the manual labor? We put in sprinkler systems oh, uh, yeah. in the Central Valley of California. Oh, yeah. What part? That's where I'm from. Modesto. No way. I grew up in Stockton area, Lodi, oh, Stockton. Yeah. yeah my, I got so, family in Modesto now. So yeah, man, you're in the heat, digging dirt and putting in sprinkler systems. Wow. You know it. So that was my whole life from first grade till, you know, through Modesto Junior College. And then I really went to... Uh, Calvin College, because it was the only college I'd ever heard of. But the whole point was to get to an air-conditioned environment (laughs) with mixed-gender workplace. That was my dream. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought I'd study business economics because that sounded like money. Okay, yeah. For uh, the owner of Domino's Pizza, who was so creative, you Mm. know, so he would be developing all kinds of real estate projects. He had the Detroit Tigers. He had all these classic cars. We were um, starting businesses. Hold on. I missed the jump. You went to school, but went how did you school. meet? How did you, you met this guy? He was a professor or what, what happened? 
All right, I'll slow it down. No, that's it. Yeah, you... I went to college. Okay, yes. Calvin College in Grand Rapids, Michigan. I studied business economics because I wanted to make money. Right. I moved to Ann Arbor, Michigan because I had met some people there that were serious about faith and I mm. wasn't. So I wanted to discover what they knew that I did not know. Interesting. And the richest man in town was the guy that owned Domino's Pizza. Mm. And I thought the path to wealth was working for a man who had become wealthy. Mm. And I was responding to your question about adventure mm -hmm. and working for a highly creative business entrepreneur mm -hmm. was pure adventure. Mm. We were building real estate projects, golf courses. He was letting us fly around in his aircraft to get from place to place. Money attracts all kinds of creative people and artists. Mm -hmm. um, he had the world's largest Frank Lloyd Wright artifact collection. He had Jeez. a classic car collection. He had the Detroit Tigers. We just had fun every day. So wow. adventure in business was meeting a real kind of day-to-day -day need for me. Every day mm. was adventurous. And I... <laughs> I wanted to put a windmill up on his petting farm. His petting farm was just a farm to show kids that pizza dough came from wheat and tomato sauce came from tomatoes. Oh, yeah. Cool. And uh, I wanted to put a water well up, a water windmill up because of my history with water. I wanted to show kids that water came from the ground. Mm. That was, that was, it was just a tiny adventure. And we put up this windmill. And the guy who was selling the windmill, he said, you know, Mike, there's this country in Africa. It's called Senegal. He said there's a desert in there called the Sahel Desert, and it was taking a mile of farmland a year. And he said, my well windmills are the best in the world, and I'm going to put a line of windmills across that desert, and I'm going to take back that desert. Wow. And I thought that was crazy. And I said, uh, you know, I worked out with him an opportunity to get those funds. So I said, hey, when you go, take me along. Mm. And because the, the biggest adventure for me, I'd not yet been to Africa. You know, I'd only seen Casablanca. <laughs> I thought what a gas it would be to, to go to West Africa with this guy who owned this windmill company and erect a windmill in the middle of the Sahel Desert. So that adventure piqued my imagination. And kind of like you got tricked into doing your ministry with men, I got tricked into engaging mm. um, in the water ministry for the next 30 years. But wow. that opened up an adventure for me that uh, kept on giving. Well, I'd love to hear because you went down there. I mean, each piece of that story, I feel like I had 10 questions, you know, <laughs> but you originally went down there to because you were interested in people who are exploring their faith and you were exploring, it sounds like, which I feel like we could spend a whole podcast on that. Obviously, God was drawing your heart before you even probably could articulate it. But I mean, how did that story end? You know, what you, you go down there to to figure out what these people are talking about when it comes to faith. How did those things start to intersect? My brother was a very active Christian. He lived out his faith uh passionately. Hmm. 
And when I was going to Calvin College, um, although that was a Christian school, it is a Christian school, I was not at all a Christian. Hmm. And you know, I go on into this story in the, in the book, Thirsting for Living Water, but as a non-believer, I was sitting up in the attic of an apartment talking to a friend of mine who became my wife. Hmm. And we were debating about what were the paths in life. And for me, there are only two paths. One was, you know, as an immigrant kid, I would slowly build wealth and my kids' kids hmm. would begin to develop, you know, a dream, an American dream. And yes. the other path, because I read a little bit and I knew a few kind of rough and tumble people, was this perspective that all great fortunes begin with a crime, you know, so that many, many fortunes began by uh, people making their own rules. And we were debating this. Should we take the slow path of the white picket fence or the fast path of making your own rules and doing whatever it took? And something happened. I had a thought. It, it wasn't my own thought. I know that it was a spiritual thought. It was a gift from God. It was just a question. Do you think that those people who serve God have only those two choices? Mm. And so I mentioned that to Natalie, my wife. I said, I just had a strange thought. She said, uh, what was that? And I told her, you know, do you think that people that serve the Lord only have these two choices? And she said, well, what are you going to do with that thought? I said, I don't know. She says, you don't believe in God. How can you even <laughs> respond to that? And I said, well, I, I know someone who believes in God. My brother believes in God. And I know the people that he lives with in, in Ann Arbor, Michigan, are passionate about their faith. Hmm. So I will commit one month and go to determine if God lives. And if he lives, I'll ask him if I could serve him. So that started that adventure. That's how I got to Ann Arbor, Michigan. Just I wanted to go live with a bunch of people that really believed there was a God and see what they did. Would you have said at that point you were agnostic? It seems like you were open to it. Obviously, I mean, you're kind of wanting to be around people who are well, I was raised to be a good Christian boy. Mm, yeah, I was going to ask about your childhood. And what I did is I lived out that uh, those expectations into my late teens. And then I just made little, small, poor decisions that mm. kept taking me further and further away from God. Mm. There was an inner conflict. I was afraid that God would punish me for not being obedient. Mm. And so I began to deny his existence because I was afraid and mm. I did not want to change my lifestyle. Mm. But while I denied his existence, which really took me over eight years, I couldn't lose the guilt or the fear. Mm. And so it was difficult for me to go to sleep because I was afraid of the God I said I no longer believed in. Wow. Now, if that's agnostic, then that's what I was, but I was not worshiping God. I was afraid of God and I was denying uh, his existence. Wow. It's one way to handle shame. I don't have, <laughs> right. If, and which I think, you know, it's kind of a human thing. I think a lot of men feel that we talk about that a lot on this show. A lot of guys feel shame. So it's one way if I just don't act like there is no God then I don't have to deal with that shame, but the spirit of God sounded like he kept working in you <laughs> and, uh, yeah. He really never let me go. There was a lot of internal 
conflict that ultimately, you know, was healed by the presence of, you know, the Holy Spirit. But uh, for about those eight years, uh, life was, you know, pretty difficult on a daily basis. And then, uh, you know, the walk towards God began. Was there a moment when you went back to be with your brother and the people he was around? Was there a moment or was it a kind of a slow series of moving back towards the things of God? There was a, uh, a moment. You know, I went to go live with these highly committed, charismatic Christians. And I grew up as a Christian Reformed kid. So that's a Presbyterian of Dutch descent. And we don't lift our arms, let alone, you know, above <laughs> the waist, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This group was a Christian community, interdenominational community. They had a weekend course. And I think it was the first time, it was kind of a trial course. And they called it Life in the Spirit uh, Seminar. I didn't want to go to this course. I was trying to figure out how to not go to this course. Hmm. But then, you know, the, the person who I was living with asked me, he said, so why did you commit this month? And I said, well, I want to know if God exists. Well, then why don't you pursue your question? Mm. You know, come, come to this course. So the first day was all about the, uh, the power of the Holy Spirit coming on men and women in the Old Testament when God had something for them to do. Hmm. Whether it was Abraham or Moses or Elijah, Samson, you know, all these these heroes of the faith that you read about, you know, it wasn't their power, but it was the power hmm. of the Holy Spirit that came on them. And they did they did great things. So I bought all of that and I thought it was great. It, you know, I used to read my Bible like 10 years prior to that. I remembered these stories. Yeah. And then uh, I knew they were going to trick me into this New Testament kind of crazy Pentecost stuff. Yeah. And uh, so I was really suspect day two, but the lesson went on and it talked about the Holy Spirit coming into our lives to give us the power to obey mm. God. Mm. That really intrigued me that the Holy Spirit could give us power to obey God, to do the things that God wants us to do that we don't really want to do. And yeah. so you know, I did this little conditional prayer in the corner of the room, and I said, God, if you exist, and if you have a Holy Spirit, and if that Holy Spirit gives us the power to obey you, then send me that Spirit. Hmm. And that was the beginning of a long walk, because I was still afraid of God, and I have my head bowed down, and I'm, I'm afraid, and... Uh, I started confessing the sins of the day and the week and the month and my head's going up and I'm forcing it down. And I feel like I'm having this religious experience. Hmm. <laughs> Someone taps me on the shoulder and says, you know, I would like to pray with you. What do you want prayer about? And I said, well, I want to know if God exists and I want to be able to love because I had a very cold heart and, uh, hmm. So they prayed with me. I walked into the bathroom. I closed the door. I cried my eyes out. And I felt uh, God was saying, welcome home. Wow. And that moment really was the beginning of a, a very long walk. I was 24 years old. I'm uh, 61 now. And so uh, there's lots of adventures after that day. Yeah. Well, one of the things it says in, your, in the book description, you talk about there's kind of a, a perfect storm. You had kind of personal, professional, natural disaster. The book describes it as you had a kind of a dark night of your soul. What was that all about? 
Well, what made it dark was the comparison to the previous light. You know, so after I committed to serve the Lord, you know, I spent a lot of years studying and learning and relating with other guys in small groups and, and you know, learning to speak and travel and do all that good stuff, kind of rebuilt, you know, who I was. And getting back to those dominoes days, I went on a trip to Senegal, and that was a very powerful experience for me where because of all of the activities happening around that trip and that uh, putting in that water point, I really began to believe that God is the master strategist, that Mm. he's alive, he's interacting with us on a daily basis, and he's calling us to participate in his work, his work Mm. of redemption. And that was so powerful that I began to then pursue God's strategy. Like, God, what would you have me do? What are you doing now? Invite me to participate. And then Hmm. for 30 years, I've had one adventure over the other and inner cities and 40 countries around the world with all kinds of people. And then in uh, 2017, which in the book I call, you know, it's kind of my descent into the dark night, four things happened over that year that really made me question whether or not that I had heard God correctly Hmm. and whether if he wasn't the master strategist inviting us to participate in his work, had I led hundreds of people in the wrong direction? Did my decisions and and my engagement, were they really without foundation? And so the things that happened were the first thing, my dad died. He was living with us. We all have complicated relationships with our fathers, whether we know them or not. So he passed away. And that started some reflection for me. And I described his death and, you know, my thoughts throughout that process. My wife, who was caring for him, uh, neglected her mammogram at the time. So when we finally got to address, you know, her physical checkup, we found she had breast cancer. Wow. And so then there was another layer of reflection on love. Who did I love? Did I love well enough? Is God really going to take my wife from me after the death of my father? Mm. Those thoughts began to get into my spirit and into my mind while I was still engaging in leadership and work. And at Living Water International, where I work, we put water wells in around the world. We're in 18 countries. We've impacted the lives of about 6 million people, 21,000 water points. Uh, these are in all low-income environments. You know, sometimes you're in a real growth mode and people are excited and, you know, everything's possible. And other times, you know, things are more challenging. We're in Houston. The price of oil dropped, you know, from 125 to $25. We had contentious elections. We had a uh, yeah. market was rough. You know, people were holding on to money. At work, I started having, you know, some, some struggles trying to make ends meet. And I'm not hearing God. Previously, I could do all this grand adventuring because I could hear God and I was confident he was inviting me into his work. Hmm. But when I stopped hearing him because, uh, you know, stress and personal pain and, you know, fear of losing loved ones and mm. operational organizational challenges, I stopped hearing him. And, you know, when I finally uh, 
got down to my knees and asked him why he left me alone and how come he wasn't talking to me anymore and you know what am I going to do with family and work and and then uh, the next thing that happened was Hurricane Harvey mm. which uh, devastated Houston impacted half of our economic base wow. and so for me that was a descent a physical spiritual relational professional and then environmental and that's what really launched me on this uh, writing this book because I had to then go back in time and for me around the world to try to rediscover what it was that God was doing. And so uh, the book is really then a journey, not only mine, but um, I'm asking the reader in each one of these chapters, each one of these reflections to think through their own story and share it with somebody. Hmm. What specifically are you asking them and what do you hope that is stirred up in them when you ask them that question? So there are 12 reflections and I first you know, tell that story of discovering God as the master strategist, which launched me into grand adventure. And then the first reflection is about God's advanced directive. That's just a legal term mm-hmm. where Someone writes what they want you to do when they're near death. Right. And my dad had an advanced directive, which then I linked to the Bible. And uh, I asked the reader to think through what's God's advanced directive for them. Hmm. And then I move into that next descent of my what, wife. Let's hang, let's hang there for a second. The advanced directive for, for, so I hear that. What would that look like? I wouldn't even know how to begin answering that question right now. So give me some, unpack it a little bit, put some meat to it. So for uh, the medical advanced director from my dad was, do not take an intervention in my life to extend my life. Just let the natural course of events happen. So even though you want to intervene, you don't because it's written down what it is you should do in a moment of confusion. Yeah. For me, the advanced directive in the scriptures was, you know, Jesus' instruction to bring water to the thirsty, feed the hungry, care for the prisoners, help people have shelter. And the strange thing is that when you do this for others, you do this for me. Hmm. And the interplay of watching my father die of really dehydration, Hmm. Jesus hanging on the cross telling us, to love others. So in doing so, we love him. Hmm. The the juxtaposition of my dad's advanced directive and mine, which was, you know, clothe, feed, water, care for, was eye-opening for me. Hmm. That even though I may have felt lost, I could go to the Bible for instruction. Hmm. And the Bible is packed full of advanced directives. And just because mine is in Matthew doesn't mean yours is. So the purpose Mm. is to think through when has scripture helped you find your path when things were confusing for you. And it's a personal journey. So it's, it's, it's my story that then prompts in the reader, their own reflection on one of 12 reflections. Yeah. I love that. I interrupted you. You were going to go into a second part of that. Was there, do you remember what it was or did Cut you off. The uh, second reflection is just love. As 
my wife battles with cancer, I reflect on my love for her, mm. uh, God's love for me. And we ask the reader to think of a time when they've loved someone, mm. a spouse, a child, a partner, uh, uh, the love of God, and just reflect on what that has meant for them and how do they nurture love. Mm. And so then, you know, you're, you're present in the story, but then you begin to think about the concept of love and think through your own experiences. And then it goes on to uh, faith when business was really challenging. How did God bring forth faith? So the, the reader thinks through faith and then it just goes on. So there's 12 of them to the power of the Holy Spirit, which we call hope. And we think through family, uh, community, the city and the world. Mm. And when we think through what God is doing across the world through his church, what God is doing at home in his church and how he's calling us to be one. Mm. And then the last chapter just is, you know, encouraging people to go through their own 12 reflections that they've been sharing with someone they trust and consider writing it down a little bit yeah. and, and sending it to me to load up on a website, because I believe that the more we talk about God's faithfulness, the more the discourse shifts and we begin to have more hope. Yeah. So I, I, I just would like to see people talking about God's faithfulness in a constructive way, because that lightens all of our, our loads and it gives us the hope to move into very uncertain futures. Yeah. Well, I think the other thing that it does is it, it reminds us of God's faithfulness when we reflect back and we can ah. see his reputation. So I like what, how you word that, the advanced directives and you kind of look through and through the scripture. But I think it also helps when, you, when you're in that moment where you can't really think clearly for yourself, at least you can look back on the reputation of God. And this is how he has been faithful in the past. And, that, and that's really where that hope can come from. Now, how often does, does God tell us in the Bible to remember when? Right. Remember. Right. And I think we, our minds get crowded out with the streams of you know, the news media, the social media, yeah. all of the negative, the fighting. And we lose sight of this master strategist engaging with us on a daily basis. And we lose sight of it. And, yeah. and that's what, when I walk back through my own experiences and journeyed around the world and told those stories, I was reminded of God's faithfulness. And I think each reader of this book, as they engage in their own stories, will be reminded of God's faithfulness in very unique ways. Yeah. What would Mike in his 60s tell Mike in his 30s about adventure and the <laughs> kingdom of God? And the thing, you know, at one point you're on, you know, mixing up with a high level businessman, you're, you're finding daily adventures that seems to, scratch some kind of itch, but now living the life that you've lived and the years that you've put in, what would you tell yourself 30-year-old self? I would uh, encourage my 30-year-old self to, to move forward, to just do it. I remember when we were in business, Natalie and I, and we just had this lark. We said, hey, let's just take 10% of our work life, call it a tithe, and do God work three mm. years, no big deal. And it was kind of crazy, you know, to leave a 
a job that was full of adventure that had high return to just go chase, you know, God's adventure. Hmm. We did it. And three years became six, became nine, 12, 30. And I don't think we've been denied anything. We didn't miss out on anything Hmm. because God's plans are bigger and more adventuresome than what we could possibly imagine. When I, when I was digging ditches or, uh, you know, working for the pizza King, I could not anticipate or even see the heroes in on the front line across the world, you know, the, the presidents and princesses that are privately praying in their own rooms that are investing themselves in the lives of others, business people that are making huge impacts in the world, you know, little kids that are creative. Uh, <laughs> there's a couple of kids that I've watched in the last 10 years that started folding paper to make a little money for ministry, origami. Yeah called Paper for Water. These kids have raised over $1.7 million oh my uh, gosh. for water wells. You know, I get to see heroes experience what God is doing in the richest environments and in the lowest income environments and discover people across the world. I had no idea that by saying yes to God on a lark to just follow what he might have for us for just a small period of time, yeah, would be so fulfilling thirty years later. You know, I think it's inspiring, and it, but in some ways, it feels unattainable. And I'm thinking of the young dad who's listening right now, and he's working hard. He's got you know working forty to sixty hours a week, and his kids are crying right now as he's listening to this. And he's trying to listen to a podcast, and there's chaos <laughs> in the house, and his wife's probably upset with him that he didn't do something. And he's just like, you know, I don't. What does this look like for me? finding adventure in the kingdom when I'm just a young dad trying to figure out how to survive the day and pay my bills. The key thing for the young dad, because I remember being a young dad because mm-hmm. it goes so fast, yeah. is to just pray this prayer. Lord, you are the master strategist. I know that you love me and you're inviting me into your work. Please open a door through which I can serve you. Mm because we don't have to figure it out. The Lord is that sensitive that he will actually open a door Mm. and invite us through. Mm. And if we keep saying no, that's what I did. I did that for three years. You know, I I said, Lord, you're the master strategist. I want to work for you, open a door. And my wife told me one time after about three years, she says, you pray that prayer every day, but you never go through the door. (laughs) You either got to stop praying that prayer or you got to walk through the door. Yeah. And so I did. And it was just a small little deal. And when I walked through that door, the next one would open and the next one would open. Right. And so it's just, it's really the desire to serve the Lord. And for me, it was to find adventure, but purpose. Yeah. Adventure and purpose. And the master strategist will guide us through. And mm. I wouldn't worry too much about working the whole business plan and the strategic plan and figure out what, you know, the next 10 steps would be just take that one step. Man, that's good advice. And I appreciate you saying that. I think if I could add to it, I would just echo it and say, for you as a young dad listening, you may be saying, man, I want to be part of all these crazy adventures. And yet my life just feels so packed and busy and chaotic. But I think if you do what Mike just said there and you pray that simple prayer, 
one, just praying the prayer, it invites God to start to show you what he's already at work doing. I think it changes our perspective as we look at the world. When I pray that prayer consistently, then when I'm in my home or I'm at work, I'm walking the neighborhood, the way I see things changes because I'm looking, God, where are you trying to show me? What are you trying to reveal in me? And man, it could be as simple as your neighbor says something to you that you just takes the relationship one level deeper, one layer deeper. And you think, oh man, God might be inviting me into something here that I didn't even know he, he would have invited me into. And your eyes, you've been praying it. Your eyes are have been looking for it. And then all of a sudden you've got one conversation with a neighbor or a coworker or your wife even. And it's like, okay, I might be seeing some of the adventure that God's called me to. It might not be putting a well in Africa today, but it might be something adventurous in the kingdom of God where his, the heaven is coming to earth as it is in heaven today in my neighborhood in ways that I might've missed. That is so accurate and encouraging because it is true. We cannot see God's big plan, but he is so busy. Yeah. He loves us so much that walking across the street to say hello, volunteering a little bit, following up to see how somebody's doing, he's working. Yeah. And then we can see his plan when we look back on it. But there, there's a grand adventure out there for all of us. And uh, we're not alone. We can take our friends with us. Yeah. You know, it's, and we can take our kids with us and our family for mm-hmm. those of us to have the young kids. You know, I, my son said to me the other day, he, he watched this guy on YouTube. He's, you know, probably 18 years old and has a bazillion dollars because he does something crazy on YouTube. You know, I don't know what these kids on YouTube do, but they're making millions of dollars doing the weirdest things. So my son said something, you know, dad, this guy's probably got a mansion or he's probably, you know, he was in, he was fascinated by how rich this young person was. I could tell that was really intriguing to him and fascinating to him. And I said, son, but, but do you remember that time we bought a bike for the kid down the street who didn't have a bike? And do you remember that feeling? And do you remember what it was like to be used by God to bless somebody? And I could tell he knew, you know, he probably couldn't articulate it in his 10 year old self with his vocabulary. But something in him stirred, even at 10 years old, to feel the things of God actually felt better than what the world's offering me. And that would be the challenge that I, for any dad listening to is how do you shift your children's eyes? The world will be quick to try to tell them what is adventurous and soul fill- filling. But how do we as dads shape our kids' eyes to say, man, what does it look like in the kingdom of God to live on an adventure that might cause some sacrifice? or even a little bit of fear, but ultimately it satisfies the soul better. And we get to experience God in ways that we would have never experienced him before. Well, our kids learn more from joining us from what we tell them. Yeah. And, uh, and I've really enjoyed our four daughters and watching them, you know, now engage in the world. Yeah. They came along and, uh, you're absolutely right that the, the, (laughs) the most intimate friendships we have are with our kids and our spouses. And if we can journey together in God's work, we have a family blessing. Mm, Man. Well, obviously your book is coming out thirsting for living water, finding adventures and purpose in God's redemption story. Sounds awesome. I'm encouraging all of our readers to go pick up a copy of that and start to, I love that you've got all those self-reflective questions in there to kind of, that's good for us guys. Sometimes it's hard for us to dig into areas emotionally that we wouldn't 
normally those aren't those aren't paved roads for us. We got to kind of trek down these. <laughs> what what emotion am I feeling? You know, so I like that you've put those self reflections, and that that'll be helpful for a lot of guys. And then tell us, uh, you're still working for Living Water, and tell us about what they're doing and how any guy can support that ministry. So yes, on the book, go to thirstingforlivingwater.com, and you can not only read my stories but other stories that people are writing and putting them online. There's cool videos. Uh, do that. And then you can go to Amazon through that. Amazon's the big bookseller nowadays. Yeah, I work at Living Water International. It's my 13th year. I'm the president and CEO there. It's a great ministry. It's uh, a ministry with 300 staff, thousands of volunteers. Mm. We work in 18 countries in uh, uh, South Asia, Africa, Latin America, Caribbean, we uh, um, work with the church primarily. Yeah. We love the church. Um, the church precedes us and remains after us. Yeah. Um, take about 2,000 people a year on a yeah. one-week adventure. You know, just an opportunity to put your toe in the water and, and cross culture or cross economics. We, uh, we do what we call WASH, Water Access Sanitation Hygiene. Mm. And it's just an acronym. And we do this with and through the local church, about a thousand water projects a year. Um, it's drilling a water well or harvesting rainwater, redirecting rivers. We uh, teach sanitation and hygiene, which is just wash your hands, wash your containers, separate human waste so that mm -hmm. the clean water can remain pure and kids could get uh, healthy and strong. We try to reduce the burden on women and children because women and children carry water for long distances and dangerous yeah. environments. So yeah. Yeah, that uh, changes their environment so that they can be healthy and study in school and help develop economies. And mm -hmm. so I think water is the, the most essential first step in uh, human development. And you link water with the gospel. We call it water in the word, integral mm -hmm. mission. There's an a impact on our eternity. And it's been a joy. It's a 31-year-old organization. We uh, will certainly invite people to come to water.cc. It's just water.cc and uh, take a look at it. See if you want to go on a trip, if you want to learn something, if you want to invest financially. We'd love to join with you in the church and, and transform the world. Mm, I love it. Mike, thanks for taking some time to share a little bit about your story. And I know we just scratched the surface, but look forward to diving more into the book and keeping up with what you're doing. Thanks so much for being here. Jared, thank you. Best wishes to you. Yeah, thanks, man.